You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. Good morning. Happy Easter. Come on. Y'all sounding good. You're looking good. My goodness. We already off to a good start, aren't we? I'm going to tell you right now, if you still got your juice container, just put them on the floor below you. We'll, we'll handle that at the very end. You can take them to the trash, uh, but don't worry about that. Uh, also, I'd like to say everybody who's joining us from their homes, uh, man, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Uh, I'd like to say a special thanks to all of our people who are joining us uh, somewhere across the world, our international crew that joins us. Uh, can we just give it up for everybody who's joining us online? Thank you guys so much. It's such an honor for you guys to participate. So thankful. Uh, and thank you guys for everybody who's shown up here in the low country. Listen, this place is packed. If you can do me a favor, there's people out in the foyer as well. If there's a space beside you, let's go ahead and cram it in. Uh, and if you're standing in the back, feel free to find that. You're not going to distract me. You're going to be good to go, I promise. But I want you to be comfortable. we got a great service. And it's so much more enjoyable when we're sitting and we're comfortable. And I know we're in the south. Listen, I got that AC pumping as hard as I can pump, all right? <laughs> So save every third breath. That'll, that'll uh, reduce some of the uh, heat flow that we have in here. But seriously, man, isn't it great that we live in the United States of America where we can pack churches out? Come on. That's something to celebrate. I'm so glad you guys are here. You may not know who I am, but I'm Dave Ammons. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm excited to be here with you. Listen, it's a privilege to get to do what we get to do here. The fact that we get to do our best, we try our best to make the story of Jesus just absolutely come alive. The other thing that I absolutely love to do is get to know you guys. Uh, I say this all the time, but we have the best people in the entire low country sitting right next to you. There's no story that's the same, and I love every chance that we get to do life with you guys. Uh, and I just want to say one last time, thank you guys so much for deciding to come to church and deciding to come to Cathedral. Well, we have been in a series uh, where we have been looking at these moments, these moments that Jesus had during the last week of his life here on this earth. This is what we call the Passion Week, right? And it's in these final moments that Jesus is trying his best to communicate something, right? In our last hours, in our last days of our life, if we know this, only the most crucial only the most important things get communicated. In each of these moments that we see, they're purposeful, they're intentional. Each of them trying to teach us something. Jesus is trying to communicate, hey, here is how I want you to live life here on this earth. One of those moments you guys actually just participated in, right? During this last song. And it comes out of the Gospel of Luke. And here's what Jesus says. Luke chapter 22. Then Jesus took some bread and he spoke a prayer of thanksgiving. He broke the bread and he gave it to them, talking about the disciples, okay? He gave it to them and here is what he said. This is my body. This bread that I just broke, this represents my body, which is given up for you. And then he gave us some instruction. He said, I want you to do this to remember me. If you've ever wondered 
hey, where, where did communion come from? Why, why do we have this thing? Here it is. Here's the first place in Scripture that we see communion taking place. The first time in history it's taking place. And what's happening here is Jesus is communicating to the disciples something very specific. He's saying, hey, this is getting ready to happen. In moments, I'm getting ready to walk out of this room. We're enjoying this last supper together. But in just a few moments, he's going to walk out of this room. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be beaten, crucified. It's this that he's saying, my body will be broken. It, it, it will be given up for you. This, this suffering, this, this crucifixion, right? And even the resurrection, this moment that Jesus is trying to communicate to us, he's saying, hey, this is the most important event that has ever taken place and will ever take place. And I want you to do something. I need you to remember something. I want you to remember what I did for you and what it means. Don't forget. More importantly, he doesn't want us to just remember what he did, but who he did it for. He, he did all of this that I'm talking about for you and I. But here's the question that we all have. Here's a question for every single one of us. What makes this crucifixion different? I mean, thousands of people went through this horrific shame-intended death that the Romans created and perfected, right? Thousands of people went through it. But what was different about Jesus being crucified? What makes Jesus' death on the cross so significant? Well, Isaiah chapter 53 gives us a little insight, and here's what it says. Here's what it tells us. It says he, talking about Jesus, he was despised. He was rejected. He, he was a man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with the deepest grief. We, talking about humanity, talking about us, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And from this scripture, we see the significance of what Jesus did when he died on the cross. So let me give you just a couple of these here this morning. The first thing that we see, he had a choice. Listen, he didn't have to do what he did for us. He was up in heaven having a great time. But he made a choice to come out of heaven come down to earth in human form, live a blameless life, and die the most horrific death this earth has ever seen for you and me. He had a choice. He didn't have to do it. The second thing we see from that scripture is he was innocent. He's the only person on this earth that can claim that fact. He was innocent. Third thing that we see of the significance is this is that all of the other people that were crucified during this time period when this was a practice of crucifixion, they felt the weight of their sin. Whatever got them up on the cross, whatever crime they committed, right? They felt the weight of their sin. Jesus didn't. Jesus felt the weight of our sin. He, he felt and he bore what our burden was. He bore our burden for us us. 
It was our sorrows that scripture says that weighed him down. The last thing that we see from this scripture is this, is that we were the ones that were supposed to be up there. Us. Not him. Scripture actually tells us that the wages of sin is death. And that's the exact price that he paid for you and for me. He took my place. He, he took your place. And as significant as all of this is about the crucifixion, the reality of what we see playing out here during this final moment during the Passion Week, Jesus had one more thing for us to witness. Something Something that shocked the people of this time. Something that shocked even the disciples and actually still shocks people all over this world today. I think if we could ask Jesus, what would be the most important thing about Easter? It, it, it wouldn't be about the crucifixion. It'd be about his resurrection. The, the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead and the significance of what that action means for the entire world and for every generation that ever steps foot onto this planet. You see, this isn't just something that as Christians we believe, right? This, this isn't a myth that we talk about. This isn't even some folklore story that you listen and read about or watch on Netflix, Right? That's not what's happening. Rather, hundreds, even thousands of people saw him. Many historical documents actually found over generations really point to this exact moment, this exact event taking place. Witness accounts. In fact, let's take a look at one of those witnesses, one of the guys that had an up-close encounter that day. Take a look at this. Look, I've said it, and I'll say it again. His disciples stole the body. Now, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. They did what they had to do to keep the myth going. The problem is, the idea that his body was stolen is almost as ludicrous as what actually happened. You see this? This is a Roman seal. I know. Doesn't look like it means very much, right? But when I place this seal on anything, a letter, a property deed, a tomb, it means everything. It means whatever I mark with this seal is under the ultimate authority of the Roman Empire much like a Roman soldier, like myself. So, you remember those religious leaders? The ones who had Jesus executed in the first place? Well, they were terrified. They were terrified that the disciples would carry out their plan, steal the body, and then spread the word amongst the people that he had somehow resurrected from the dead. So they went straight to Pilate, and they insisted that he seal the tomb. 
Well, that's where I come in. And like any good Roman soldier, I followed orders. And I sealed that tomb under the weight of Caesar himself. And then 16 of us stood guard, arm's length apart around that tomb. No one was getting past us. Oh, and the idea that we all nodded off and allowed this to happen? Do you know what happens to a Roman guard who falls asleep on post? Best case scenario, the man who fell asleep would be beaten or burned or both. More likely though, all 16 of us would have been executed. So no, as the story goes, we didn't all accidentally fall asleep and allow the disciples to come and take the body. But I've been paid good money to tell it that way. How am I doing so far? So now are you ready to hear something even crazier than that? Something that as long as I live, I will never forget. What happened that morning? So as we're standing guard around the tomb and the earth began to shake and tremble under our feet and then this enormous being appears out of nowhere. It doesn't matter how I describe it. I can never do it justice. All you need to know is this. When I looked inside that tomb, the man who I had seen executed in the bloodiest crucifixion I had ever witnessed was just gone. So why are the 16 of us soldiers still alive? I'll tell you why. Because now I'm telling you the real story. The truth is, he wasn't just gone. He was alive. Jesus is alive. You know, I think we're all starting to realize something. I think, I think we're beginning to see that the most significant part about the crucifixion is he didn't stay there. He didn't stay dead. Sure, he was gone from the tomb, right? But it wasn't because they just moved him. Why didn't they just pick him out and move him? No, no, no. He was alive. That, that's why the tomb is empty. He's, he's alive. So I want to talk about that, that resurrection. What, what does that resurrection mean for you and I? I mean, over 2,000 years later, how does this impact my life? So here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to highlight just a couple of things that happen because of the resurrection, 
simply because of what Jesus did when he rose from the grave, there's a few things that happen in our life. First thing is this, is because of the resurrection, things that we thought were dead in our life, it'll have to be. Because of the resurrection, when all hope feels lost, like our situation is not going to get better, there's no way that my situation is going to be able to turn around. Listen, my life is just too far gone. Dave, you don't understand the situation that I've had to deal with. I, I, I just, Dave, if I can be honest with you, I just don't know how it could possibly turn around. His resurrection brings hope into every challenge that we face. Not just a few challenges, not just a couple that he feels comfortable dealing with. Every single, because of his resurrections, things that we thought were dead in our life don't have to be. Second thing I want to highlight is this, is that things don't have to stay the same. Maybe you've settled on the inside of you that this is just how life is. This is just how life has to be. After all, I don't have to convince you that this world is pretty tough. It throws a bunch of stuff at it, does it not? Maybe we've settled on the inside of us that this is just what living life is. i got to deal with it. You see, many people in this world, maybe even you here today, have settled. Dave, I just, I just struggle with depression. Every day, wake up, it's just there. Dave, every single day, I just know that what's going to be a part of my day is the anxiety. Dave, I just have a temper. No matter how many times I say I'm not going to respond a certain way, I just, I can't get rid of it. It's part of my personality. Dave, I can't tell you how many times I have tried to kick this addiction. But no matter what I do, I just can't kick this addiction. You've just settled on the inside of you. This is life. But because of the resurrection, Jesus can get involved into our situation. And scriptures like John chapter 10, verse 10, cannot be just be something that we read in our Bible or on a screen in just a second. But they can be verses that we literally live out every single day. That's the hope that Jesus has for us. Here's what the scripture says. A thief has one thing in his mind for us. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. Other versions say, I want to steal, kill, and destroy. I want you to believe that all this life has to offer is difficulties, is challenges. You're just going to have the depression. Get used to it. Anxiety is going to be a part of your life. Addictions is just going to be a part. You think you can kick that anger? Oh, yeah, I'm going to send you this situation and see how you deal with it. That's what the enemy wants to believe you have only option in this life for. See, Jesus... Jesus came to do something a little different. I like to refer to him as the first OG. Because he comes in here and says, no, no, no. No, matter of fact, enemy, you're wrong. I'm coming to tell you that life can be different. Let me tell you the life that can happen. It says here in Scripture, it says, 
that I have come to do the exact opposite. I've come to give you everything in abundance. More than you can possibly ever expect, think, or imagine. In fact, here's the life that I want for you. I want you to have life to its fullness until you overflow. You see, I don't understand everything about the kingdom of God, but here's, here's what's interesting. In the kingdom of God, being full isn't just enough. He's not satisfied until you're overflowing. You see, that's the power of Jesus. That's the power of what this resurrection does in our life. That's the life that's possible for every single one of us. It's the life that he wants for you. Final thing I want to highlight for you is this, is that if all we got from this resurrection, the only thing we get is salvation and the fact that when we say yes to God, that we get to spend eternity in heaven with him, listen, that would be enough. That's enough. But he didn't stop there. He gave us so much more because he wants us to have more in this life on earth as well. I've come that you can have life here to the fullest. You know what I love about Jesus? He gives every single one of us the choice. He doesn't mandate all this stuff that I'm talking about. He doesn't mandate a relationship with him, though he desperately wants a relationship with you and I. More than we'll ever humanly possibly understand. He desperately wants that relationship. But he leaves it up to us. What's incredible is all of this is available to each and every single one of us. <laughs> and there's not a single thing we can do to earn it. No matter amount of works that you can do to work your way into the kingdom, it, nothing we can do to earn it. It's simply this. It's as simple as a choice to accept, accept him and what he did for us. I'll tell you what, here's, here's what I want to do. Let's do this. Let me show you what this looks like in real life. Don't just listen to me talk about it. Let's not just sing about it. I want you to see how does this actually happen in real people? What does this look like? I want you to listen to a few people that are from the Bible all the way to people who are with us today sitting possibly even in the chair right next to you. Because they've experienced this resurrection power that we're talking about right now. That because he lives, their life is changed forever. Take a look at this. So I want to tell you about the disciple James. Now, this is not James the son of thunder, and it's not James the brother of Jesus. It's a third James. There's a third disciple named James. Now, you would think it would be enough to just call him James. I'm sure he struggled with being compared to the other two as it was, but that's not what they called him. You know what they called him? James the lesser. Called him that. James the lesser. Well, some did. Some called him James the little because he was smaller than James the son of thunder. Thunder James was probably a gym rat. You know the type. So imagine what it was like 
the first time that James the Lesser encounters the resurrected Jesus. I mean, I can, I can picture it in my mind, the room full of disciples, and Jesus appears, and he begins to walk around, and he's talking to them, calling them each by name, and then he sees James, and he starts moving towards him. Now, you know that before the crucifixion that James probably felt pretty forgettable as a disciple, insignificant even, like sometimes we feel. And I imagine, just like us, he really didn't think Jesus noticed him. And I, and I imagine that even as Jesus is moving towards him, he's probably thinking, there must be st somebody standing behind me. He's just going to walk right on past me, but he doesn't. Jesus stops right in front of him. Hello, James. And you know he's waiting for the lesser. Jesus doesn't say that. But Jesus knows he's thinking it. And so Jesus, with his eyes full of love and compassion, looks right at him, speaks straight to his soul. James, what I did proves there are none that are lesser. There are none that are forgettable, none that are insignificant. I did what I did to give you life and life more abundantly. And I can imagine James just standing a little taller, his chest sticking out just a little bit further. And I imagine as Jesus walked away, James thought to himself, because he lives, so will I. I want to tell you a story about a woman in the Bible that's known as the adulterous woman. And although she did have some sins, this particular day she happened to be set up by a group of men that caught her in the act and then drug her out into the streets in broad daylight. Now imagine the shame and humiliation she felt exposed in front of everyone. They throw her on the ground and there she lays, shameful and humiliated, probably wishing that she could just crawl in a hole and disappear. And then they look at Jesus and they want Jesus, these religious men, they want Jesus to deliver justice to this woman for the crimes that she had committed. Now the justice that would have been served in that day for that crime would have been death by stoning. So Jesus walks up and he looks all of the men in the eye that have surrounded this woman. And he says, okay, here's the deal. The one of you that is without sin, you throw the first stone at this woman. You throw the first stone, go ahead. Anybody that hasn't messed up themselves. And he looks them in the eye, one by one. They begin to drop the stones and walk away. And then Jesus turns his attention to this woman, this broken, shattered person on the ground. I can see it in my eyes. I can see him bending down and lifting her up by her face and maybe her pulling away because we all know how shame and guilt can make us want to hide. And then he looks her in the eye and he says to her, where, where are your accusers? And she looks up to see. And she says, they're all gone. And Jesus says, you see, I, I haven't come to condemn you either. So you go, go and sin no more. <laughs> I mean, what an incredible story. The one man that was holy enough to deliver justice to this broken woman, gave her mercy instead. And that day, that broken, shameful 
person walked away living and knowing she had a better life. Because he lives, so could she. So let me tell you about my man, Desmond. Desmond had it very rough when he was growing up. And between the ages of 18 and 28, he spent the majority of those years in jail and addicted to drugs. And one day, that Desmond shows up right here in our parking lot. Homeless, without a job, addicted to drugs, living out of his car, desperate. And somebody here prayed with him and just encouraged him, said, Desmond, just keep coming. Just keep coming. And he did. And God got a hold of him and supernaturally and radically changed his life. Broke his drug addiction, delivered him out of that homeless situation, gave him a great job. And he didn't even stop there. He went on to start his own business. Desmond was killing it. And then out of the blue, bam, something terrible happened. On the job site, an incident happens. Police had to be called. He was there. He hadn't done anything wrong, but as part of their investigation, they had to check everybody's IDs. And when they checked his ID, it came back with a hit that he had a warrant for his arrest out of Texas. And just like that, bam, extradited to Texas. Now, his wife, Jessica, is here at home, and she's frantic. She's like, oh, my, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, he's finally broken through all of that stuff, and he's just on top of everything now, and God has been so good to us, and, and, and we're just been doing so wonderful. And now, going back into jail, that is just going to suck him right back into the darkness of his past. Boy, was she wrong. Oh, man. She starts calling him to check on him, and she finds out that what she saw as a setback he saw as an opportunity. He said, man, God's got this, and God's got me. He said, he's done put me somewhere where I'm surrounded by men who need what I have. So he starts sharing Jesus every day he's in that prison. Let me tell you, man, I've been right where you are. Let me tell you how you get set free from the addiction. Let me tell you how you get free from all that darkness and sin in your past. Jesus Christ is alive, man, and he does that every day that he's there. And so finally he gets blown home. Everything gets resolved. He's reunited with his wife, Jessica, and they're expecting a brand new baby any day now. So if you ask Desmond, Desmond, how's that possible? How can you be set free from the addiction? How can you be delivered from homelessness? How can you possibly see purpose in such adversity? You say, man, that's easy. Because Jesus is alive. And because he lives, so will I.
All right, this is Brandy's story. Brandy is a beautiful wife. She has three precious children. She serves here at Cathedral Volunteers with us. And just to know that woman is to love her. She's a true sweetheart. At last May, she found a spot on her ear that turned out to be melanoma cancer. So Brandy comes straight to the church. She gets friends and family to gather around her and we all pray for her. And this is what was prayed over Brandy that day, was number one, that the cancer would be gone. And number two, that she would have a peace through the entire situation, a supernatural peace that would, that would surpass all understanding. So Brandy goes in to, for the surgery to have the spot removed and they actually realized the cancer was a bit more aggressive than they thought it was and it had gone into her lymph nodes. So they have to take 28 of the lymph nodes out during that surgery. Then about a week later, she gets a phone call that they didn't get it all. And so they've got to go back in for a second surgery. But when you talk to Brandy about this part of her story, she'll tell you, she said, I wasn't fearful at all. I had a peace that really did surpass all understanding. She says, I was actually sitting in this very worship center one Sunday morning and we were worshiping and I heard the Lord say to me, Brandy, I've got you and it's gonna get worse before it, before it gets better, but I am doing a miracle in your life. So she goes in for the second surgery and during the second surgery, they see that there's a spot in her abdomen and the cancer has spread there. So they try to do a biopsy, not once, but twice. Both attempts were failed. And so they decide to go in for some exploratory surgery. While they are in the exploratory surgery, they come out after an hour. And the doctor says to Brandy and her husband, we have no idea what is going on, but we can't find cancer anywhere. He says this, this was what the doctor said. He said, this is just one of those really unlikely situations that we have no explanation for, right? They have no explanation. And then three weeks ago, Brandy goes for a follow-up PET scan and brain MRI, and still there is no cancer anywhere to be found. And although the doctors are continuing to say, we have no idea what happened, what Brandy will tell you is that because he lives, so will I. So let me tell you about my friend Ryan. Uh, Ryan grew up in this church. I've watched him as a little boy grow up into a big, strong young man. And he meets this beautiful woman, Jennifer, and they fall in love and they get married. And on the outside, man, everything looked perfect. But three years into their marriage, things were beginning to spiral out of control. They were both working very long shifts and somewhat opposing shifts. And so they didn't get to spend much time together. And before too long, Ryan was even choosing to spend more time at work than he did at home. It's like they were in this cycle where they would have a good week here and there, but overall their marriage was falling apart and they had no idea what to do. And so Ryan finds himself thinking, I don't think it's gonna get any better than this. And if this is as good as it gets, I'm done, I'm out. 
He said, Eddie, what I really wanted to do is just run away. I just wanted to run away from the marriage, run away from the church, run away from God. That's really what I wanted to do. But something deep down inside would not let me. And I had to make the conscious decision to not do what I felt like doing and knew what was the right thing. And that is me and Jennifer had to pull all of our friends and family around us. Good friends, friends that loved us, that would speak truth to us. And so they did. And then they got counseling as individuals and as a married couple. They did the hard work. And man, God built a strong foundation. They put their faith in Christ at the center of that marriage. And God has blessed that marriage. They are so happy today. Not only did he bless the marriage. He blessed them with two beautiful children. And Ryan said, Eddie, there's hardly a day that goes by that I don't remember that if it were not for God, those two precious little babies wouldn't even be here. And so now Jennifer and I get to look at them and we see so much of ourselves in each one of them and we're watching those little personalities develop and grow. Man, Eddie, God has blessed our marriage. And if you ask Ryan, Ryan, how's that possible? How do you go from a marriage that's about to self-destruct to a marriage that is full of life and love and laughter? He would say, man, this is the one thing that Jen and I both know for sure. Jesus is alive and because he lives, so will we.
Come on, one more time. Let's just give it up for what God does. Let me tell you what you just saw there. Scripture tells us exactly what you just experienced. He tells us that no matter what the challenges are that you face, there's a recipe to overcome it. And there's two things that you do. Scripture tells us that we can overcome because of what Jesus did and by the power of a testimony. That's exactly what you just witnessed. So let me ask you this question. You, you can take a seat for just a moment. Let me ask you this. Everybody here in the room, if you can hear me out in the foyer, everybody who's online, I have a simple question. What do you need this Easter? If you were going to step up into this song, just like you heard from back in Bible times all the way to the stories today, what would that look like? What would your story be? From the adulterous woman to, to, the, to the guy who just felt inadequate. I think a couple of us can identify with just feeling, listen, I'm just not enough. I, I don't, the gifts and talents that I have, they're just not enough. I'm not a good enough father. I don't know that I can be a good enough spouse. But identifying with that thing of not enough to someone struggling with their hardest to get out of addiction. Everything that you can to the person who their family or whatever relationship you have, it's literally just falling apart. What do you want this Easter? You see, Jesus desperately wants to be involved. And here's the amazing thing. All of this that we talk about, all the stories that you just witnessed, it starts with something so simple. It starts by simply saying yes to Jesus. Simply accepting what he did for you and I. So here's what I want to do. I just simply want to give you that opportunity. So if I could ask you, if you're, if you're here this morning, would you just simply close your eyes and, and bow your head this morning? Some of you may be in here today and you say, you know what, Dave, I need this, man. I, I need this in my life. I need the power of Jesus operating I'm so sick and tired for what this world has thrown at me. What you're really saying, Dave, is I'm sick and tired of me doing this. I'm ready to lay myself down. I'm ready to pick up Jesus. I need his life. I need his resurrection power in my life. If that's you here this morning, would you simply just right now, as bold as you can, this is between you and God. This isn't awkward. This isn't between you and this entire congregation. Nobody's looking around. Everybody's heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you here this morning and you say, I need Jesus in my life, would you raise your hand right now? Absolutely. Hands are going up right now. Can I just give you this picture of what's happening up in heaven? Jesus is literally sitting on the edge of his seat, so excited. He is jumping up and down with so much excitement because you were bold enough. And he's getting ready to meet you exactly where you are. Everybody online, if that's you, if you said yes, man, congratulations. That is absolutely the biggest thing that you can say. If there's anybody else right now, if that's you this, this, this morning, and you say, i got to get on this train, simply just raise your hand right now. Last chance. Come on. Yeah. Guys, you're not the only one. There's hands all across this worship center. 
Here's what we're going to do. It's very simple. Again, this isn't awkward. This is between you and Jesus. Everybody in this auditorium is going to say this prayer after me. But when you say this prayer, all of those who raise their hand, this is for you. you there's nothing you can do to earn it. All you got to simply do is say, yes, you've already done that, and accept what he's done. So let's do it. Repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into this world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. come on, Amy. Let's give it up for everybody who made that bold decision. Such amazing move. I promise you there is no better decision that you've ever made in your life. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.